calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Realm presents a Degas Media production, The Dark Tome, Season 1, Episode 4, featuring Murdered Sleep by Cat Howard. Remember, tonight is the senior prom starting at 7 p.m. in the gymnasium. The shuttle bus will be leaving at 9 p.m. for the lock-in party held at the Legion. See you then! Cassie. Oh, hey, Kim. I heard what you did to Kathy Skillings. Oh. No, it's cool. Look, she deserved it. Plus, it gave me a chance to be goalie. I'm crushing it out there. Glad to hear it. Um, so, I've got to go. I've got... You want to come with me to the prom? The what? You. Prom? Oh, my God, I shouldn't. I, I didn't think. I'm so stupid. Sorry. No, it's... Uh, I just... I've got homework, okay? I'm pretty busy. Okay, of course. I spent my walk from school to Mr. Gussie's bookshop wondering if I'd made the wrong decision. Pretty sure I had, actually. I mean, I was probably the only girl in the high school class who was about to spend the night of the prom with a book. Of course, it wasn't a school book. It was the dark tome. But I was fine with it, really. I didn't need more friends, and I didn't need more rumors going around about me. They could have their loud music and their clicks and their stupid drinking. They couldn't go where I could go. Mr. Gussie? Mr. Gussie? Where the hell is he? Oh, there's a note. I'm out. Important business. Fill you in later. Well, I've been stood up. My only friend for the prom is a man who could be my grandfather, and he stood me up. Great. But not you, good friend. The Dark Tome is always ready for me. What are you, anyways? Where did you come from? Oh, what do I know? No one knows anything about you, do they? Only... Mr. Gussie might know something, but he's not letting on. 
Hey, we don't need him, do we? We didn't the first time, and we don't now. I need an adventure, Dark Tome. I need to go somewhere. <sighs> Maybe we do this like we did it with Mr. Gussie? Like uh, a seance, right? I can start to think about a place I might like to go. Well, tonight is the night of the prom. Do you know what that is, book? It's a, it's a thing we do in the spring, like a rites of spring thing, I guess. I get the feeling it's some sort of coming of age thing, something that maybe goes back real old, like teenagers who get made aware that they're going to marry off and make babies and whatever. You're not supposed to have babies as a teenager anymore, though. And now mostly people use it to drink and have sex. Wait, am I making any sense? What I'm saying is, Book, I'm not going to that party. I don't want to. Well, it's not that. It's just, I don't want to feel stupid, okay? I just want... Oh. Oh, wait. Now I've done it. I'm... I'm still in the bookshop. Uh, hello? We're closed. Hi there. I have a letter for you. You have what? It's an invitation. Open it. I, I'm not sure. I... You've heard the rumors. They've been everywhere this fall, blown on the wind, along with the golden fans of fallen ginkgo leaves. Everyone knows someone who's been invited. Don't you? I don't think so. Well, you know someone now, don't you? Oh, but no one has managed to speak of anyone who's been... Only, there are those stories, aren't there? The masks, the decadence, a play, perhaps a bacchanalia of something that was not a play at all, but rather an enfleshed dream masquerading as a drama of impossibility made concrete and stone in the condemned hallways of an abandoned building. Go on, open it. It's... This is quite old-fashioned, don't you think? The blood-red wax. It's printed on the finest stock. It must be intended for you. Yes, of course. There's an address, but no time. Oh, darling, there's no need. The time? Midnight, of course. Ever the hour of the impossible. Come now, we must not be late. Sleep is dying, and has been for a long time now. Through uncounted ticks of clocks, and the flickers of thousands of too brief candles. Sleep is dying, a slow exsanguination of dreams. A storm-tossed suffocation of nightmares. Sleep is dying, and she is not alone in her throes. Hey, 
me, okay? What's your name again? Cora. Cora. I'm Cassie. And we're going... there? Yes. It's rather spooky looking, don't you think? Naturally. Seriously, this is like the kind of place you see in a Ghost Hunters TV show. Or maybe the places kids break into to make out and, uh, other stuff. To me, it looks like M.C. Escher. You know him? Whoever designed this place must have a fondness for a cocktail, don't you think? Who? French filmmaker. The torch is there. See how they're designed to resemble white-gloved hands? Oh. Our evening awaits. More torches. Come in. Come now. See? More torches. Yes. What? <laughs> what do we do now? It's a pair of hands sticking out of the wall. It seems to me they beckon you, Cassie. They beckon me. Oh! It wants the invitation! Yes! Traded me a deck of cards? What should I do? Just take one? It's a tarot card. The lovers, reversed, from the Marseille deck. The young man is pinned by the gazes of two women he was to choose between as much as he is pinned by love's arrow in his chest. Great. And that means what, exactly? It means the door is ready for you to open. Oh! Right! The hand is a handle! Aha! Uh -huh. It's a room of masks! You like masks? Look at them! They're beautiful! And... Oh, some are quite hideous. Choose one. For me, the Venetian mask of tarnished silver, filigree wings at the temples, Tied with ribbon the violet red of seeds at the heart of a pomegranate. Yes, okay. And uh, for me, the jaguar. Hand painted by the looks of it, and. Oh, it fits like it was made just for me! It was. What? Continue. Look at all the doors. As I entered the hallway, what struck me first was all the doors. Some shut, some cracked open, some gaping like mouths. I could hear fragmented conversations, tingling jauntiness of a circus organ. Ice blue light burned beneath one door, and my fingers ached from cold when I placed them on the handle. Whoa! <laughs> this place. Smell that? It's wonderful, isn't it? Burnt caramel? Or is it dark clouds at the heart of a storm? It's coming from down there. 
end here. <laughs> Through here. Dancers spun by, no darkling throng, but color and light and texture glittering in kaleidoscope. Flames flickered in the air without even candles beneath them. The air was scent and sound, and I barely had time to breathe it in before... Let's dance! Whoa! Cora flung me into the dance, and... I was caught by a partner with a mask horned like a stag, and it seemed for a moment that I heard the baying of distant hounds somewhere beneath the music as we danced. And then there was only the dance. As I became accustomed to the hectic pace, I was able to see the wonders Cora had pushed me into. On the walls was a celestial map the stars and planets moving across it in a stately progression. In the center of the room was a fountain bubbling with the liquid, the pale green of perfect porcelain. When we danced closer to it, I could smell the sunburned darkness of butterflies. At the head of the room was a banquet table. Upon it, a pastry burst into flame, and from the flame arose a phoenix which circled the room and dropped rubies in its wake. It's like the inside of a dream. It's made of dreams. Sleep's abandoned children, all gathered home and called to their revels. Cora? Keep dancing. Keep dancing. And we did. Other dancers were unpartnered or gathered into ecstatic knots, but no one walked and none remained unmoving. It seemed, as we crossed over a mosaic floor, past a woman with owl's wings whose mask was made of flowers, that the room had grown larger. Vines crawled over a wall, and they were thorned about with roses, the air near them thick with the scent of raspberry jam. Among it all, a snake. How long have we been here? Have you seen clocks or shadows in this place? Or any other devices used to capture time and parcel it out in captive bits? Time is only breath and heartbeat. Only now. Only tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Wait, wait, no. Seriously. How long have we been here? Shh. Look. Cora pointed up where snails, delicate and jeweled, fell from the ceiling. And suddenly, it didn't matter. And so, the dance continued, partner to partner, mask to mask. I gazed upon Medusa and did not turn unfeeling to stone. I spun in the arms of a woman whose mask was a living butterfly its acid green and black wings gently opening and closing on her face. I watched as the liquid in the fountain turned to poetry, and calligraphied sonnets and syncanes unfurled from it. I had dreamt something similar once, ink running like water from a fountain, 
drying in splashes of iambic fragments. Then the music stopped. What? Wait, hold on. I, where did the door go? Won't you stay? This is the land of fairy, right? I followed the rules, right? I have neither eaten nor drunk. I have spoken no promises, no insults, no prophecies. To stay is not a trap, but a choice. It was the horned man. I saw that it was not a horned mask, after all. The horns climbed from his head. You are supposed to say no. To lie and cast aside your mask. To weep for lost mundanity. To mourn for ordinariness and beg for me to send you home. Back to broken glass and shit-smeared streets. Are you? Are you the book? You are supposed to walk from here and into the harsh light of the ordinary and never once look back. Are there any who actually do? Most. The comforts of known life are powerful. See this? The card? I choose to remain. Very well, Cassie. Sleep is dying. This is no longer secret. Nights full of twitches and wakefulness fall like curses upon unslept beds. Night's hours stretch into fire-eyed forever. Somnambulists pace and pace. Above us, an unseen orchestra. Passion sobbed from the strings of violin and cello, and drums counted the time between steps, between heartbeats. But no musicians could be seen. So close to my partner, I could smell the deep green fragrance of forests, the pleasant rot of leaf mold and loam, and the vague musk of some great furred beast. Again, in counterpoint, or descant, I could hear the baying of hounds. And then... Uh, uh, a man lay on the floor, a tidy figure in neat black velvet, dark hair, a disarray of curls. His mask, sly and vulpine, had cracked down the center. A snake curled, green and jewel-like, in the empty socket of his eye. I felt the floor beneath me sway, as if the building stood on fault lines shifting sideways from each other. The other dancers in the room were turning away, deliberately cutting the fallen figure from their line of vision. A scream tore the air and the phoenix burst once more into flame. Beneath the burning feathers, the body on the floor burned as well. As the flames died, only the mask was left. 
The face of a fox cracked in half. The ribbons that had held it on the dead man's head still nodded. Will you help me? How? I need to take the mask outside, into the air, so that it might speak. But if I touch it, I cannot be certain of its answers. I am too close to require truth. I... Uh, will I need to wear it? No, no. Such a thing would be an abomination. Like dressing yourself in someone's skin without asking them first. No, it will serve for you to carry it. Okay, then I, I will help. Thank you. So I gathered up the pieces of the mask and followed Cora out through the door, which had reappeared, past the horned man and into the night sky. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. The night sky was stranger and more star-filled than any I had ever seen. The waxing moons seemed close enough to touch if one were brave enough to risk the silver pinpricks of the stars that thorned around it. Some other time, if I didn't carry such a burden in my hands, I would have liked to stop, to look at what other wonders might be in the small pool where a ghost-white octopus roiled, to revel in the sharp scent of rosemary and lemon thyme that rose from beneath my feet as I walked to stroke the leonine flanks of the sleeping griffin. Those things would wait for some other when. I hadn't known the man who had chosen for himself the face of a fox, but I owed him the respect of my attention. In the midst of such overwhelming presence, I would mark his absence. I would not look away. The mask in my hands shuddered and strained, and the rent edges slipped over and under each other until the mask was again whole. The strings unknotted and coiled tight, tight, tight around my wrists. My hands grew heavy and numb, but not before I felt blood drip through the lines of my palms to fall on the ground. Carnelian starfish bloomed where the drops landed. Very nice, Cassie. Now. What? You have questions, right? If you would like to have answers, now is the time. I think he'll answer. Did you choose the mask for yourself? I did. Was there any who sought to influence your choice? I was swayed by nothing other than the memory of my lady. A fair vestal throned in the east and the burning glory of her hair. Did you tell the cards for yourself before entering? The Ace of Cups reversed. I read my own destruction, carried it in my hand. Did you... Ah! Hey! Hey! 
octopus! The octopus is eating the starfish! Get out of here! Touch him. He is warm. Corin knelt then, and the octopus blushed, then rose blood red and suctioned onto her hand, <gasps> then braceleted her wrist, color flooding and drowning from its surface in syncopation with her pulse. It's time! Even eternal places change. Drink this. It will help with the pain. My head. What is this? It's, it smells like apricots and summer meadows. It's like honey. He is dead because he chose a card and a mask. I chose a card and a mask. No, he's dead because he was murdered. Cracked open so that his dreams might spill out and populate the air. Oh, Cassie. We asked for his card and his mask because they were the reason he came and who he was when he was here. His dreams of himself deserve to be remembered, to be spoken, to be known to all the ghosts of this place. Does that make sense to you? No. No, it doesn't. Ah. More poetry, then. He is the best. Sleep is dying and does not want to be. So sleep steals here and there from wreck and ruin, from blood and dream. Small pieces never missed until they are. Every paradise has its serpent. I can see her now. Cora, with the octopus, ghost white, taking residence in her hair wrapping the strands around itself like sea-rack. It seems content to perch there, as Kor dances her way through the strange party that has become life, a never-ending and sleepless night. I see her as she dances with a woman, a woman wearing the mask of a white hound, with ears red and wet with blood. As they dance, the woman's eyes shade from a warm brown to a bright poison green, serpent green. The woman's face trembles, her feet falter in the dance, fur prickles beneath them, and the urge to chase, to hunt, quivers against her skin, Cora's skin. The phoenix rises, burning, and Cora hears, as if from some great distance, the baying of the hounds. the hiss of a serpent. The strings of the woman's mask untie from her head and wind themselves instead around Cora's hands. And still, she holds to the mask of the woman's face. She can smell the forest, fecund and dark. She can hear the inexorable chime of a clock. A small green snake, whip-like, slithers across her foot poison green. Like the snake, 
coiled in the dead man's eye. Cora steps, once, twice, crushing its skull. The woman sinks to the ground. There is no body where she falls. Instead, a white hound with ears of blood red, the incarnation of the mask that dangled from Cora's hands. Not dead, but translated. And then the room is filled with the howling of the hounds of hell, the red-eared hunters, full, too, of the souls they carry. One more joins their number as they harry the steps of the masked dancers. In the center of the room stands the horned man, the phoenix mantle on his shoulder, the hunt wild around him. He meets Cora's eyes and bows. Even eternal places change. Cassie? She looks at me and... Cassie? She looks right through me. I am here. I am in the dance. I am with the hounds. Will you stay with us, Cassie? There is another dance. There are more dreams. There are more visions we must crack open and drink like the full, fatted milk of the moon. The door. I don't see the door. You have a card, Cassie. Would you like to play it? I've seen enough. I will leave here. I have not eaten, I have not drunk, but I will not go back either. Because there is a door, isn't there? There is a door that is past this, on the far side from mundanity, into the realm of dreams and past it. It's the door the dark tome has opened for me. Yes, Cassie. I think you're right. I think we'll see you here again soon. Perhaps. Just take this. What? It's an invitation. Send someone to us, would you? Of course. Farewell. evil birds or demons posing as witches. It's people that devour the dreams of the unsuspecting. Just another day with the dark tome. Oh, oh Cassie! Hi. Don't, don't you have some place to be? Uh, I, I've sort of been there already. Ah, you've been messing around with the dark tome on your own again, haven't you? <laughs> you think? What do you got in your hand there? What? Oh, I... I uh, here. It, it looks like a, an invitation. Open it if you'd like. I can't really guarantee it'll make any sense to you, or that you'll come back. Sounds like every story we've read so far. Yeah, maybe. Cassie? Yeah? You look good. Uh, huh? I don't mean anything funny by it, just... Uh, you have a little twinkle to the eye. 
You going somewhere? Maybe. What time is it? Uh, ten past seven. Why? Well, there's a little dance tonight. I might still be able to get there if I hurry. Oh, well then, enjoy yourself. You know where to find me. Yes, I most certainly do. See you, Mr. Gussie. See you later. Find another date? Are you kidding? No. And as much as I hate the rituals of teenagers, I couldn't pass it up. Okay, my mom sort of made me. Is that why you changed your mind? <laughs> uh, not exactly. I had a chance to, well, to think about how great a dance can be. Maybe, if they change the music. Hey, what are you doing? You're putting on a mask? Oh, that's hella cool. What is it, a tiger? Jaguar. Badass. And I thought I was showing my nonconformity by wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> you look cool too. Thanks. Hey, um, look, I'm sorry about earlier. I didn't know you weren't. No, it's fine. It is. Fine? Like, fine you're still friends with me, or fine you weren't letting something on? Depends. Uh, you want to dance? What? You mean with them? No, with me. Come on. <laughs> uh, okay. It was just a high school dance, but underneath the hum of the thrumming bass, underneath the smell of the rented tuxes and the clip-on corsages, was the salty musk of a much older ritual. I wove right into the dance floor. Kim could barely keep up, but I didn't let her lose sight of me either. I slid between the kids who would never meet my eyes in the hallway, but couldn't take their eyes off my jaguar mask. I felt the drumbeat thrum into me like the beat of the earth's pulse. Felt sweat trickle down my neck and rope around my flesh like the tentacles of the curious octopus. The shouts of the jock boys who were heckling us on the outskirts of the dance floor were like the baying of the hounds of hell. And like in my dream, that cavern of murdered sleep, I would outrun them. Can you feel it, Kim? This dance music is gonna make me puke. You think we should change the station? <laughs> yeah, put on some punk, would you? <laughs> Hold on. Wait, what? Call it up! Whoa, power spike! Hey, Cole! That's what I'm talking about! Good, then let's dance! <laughs>
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. You've been listening to The Dark Tome, a Degas media production presented by Realm, produced by Fred Greenhalge and William DeFries. Full cast and crew credits, behind-the-scenes photos, and transcripts at thedarktome.com. That's thedarktome.com.